is sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. My fellow patriots, the Senate is about to vote on what could be one of the most important confirmations in our lifetime, and I need your help now. Um, I think he's a legal rock star. Now, this new allegation, I don't know what our Democratic friends expect us to do. I think the vote will be 11 to 10. This is one more Hail Mary pass on the part of the Democrats. And of course, Chuck Schumer wants to postpone the vote indefinitely. Why? Because his objective, folks, is not the truth. His objective is to simply stall and try and kill this nomination because it was a nomination made by President Donald J. Trump. In other words, they really have a big nothing burger. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. (laughs) Hour two. We're in it right now. And I'm happy to be with you. I really, I have to stress over and over and over again, we are in a battle. It's a battle for our hearts and our minds. It's a battle for us to have the, just the chance to um, really spend time uh, feeling comfortable, for us to spend time um, not having fear, dominating our, our, our days. If we want to be completely assured that we're in the right spot, doing the right thing, exactly where God has us, where we, where we want to be, we have to be obedient. And it's a constant battle for our intentions. It's a battle for us to, uh, to manage these things. So we have an opportunity, and that opportunity is always going to be but the, a choice for us to choose between what God has for us and what we want for us. Those things will coincide sometimes, but if it's a decision about whether or not to obey what God's word says, um, we need to make the right choice. So now uh, here in hour two, we're going to have really, we have a ton more content for you. We have Chris Houck, Media Research Center. Um, He's a fellow over there and an editor at Newsbusters. He's going to come on and talk about the new study from Media Research Center that says that TV news reporters have saturated the airwaves with subjective language about the president's emotional state. I saw that just this morning people were tweeting and saying that the president, you know, for whatever reason, um, is mentally unfit. I got a book pitch from uh, some PR firm saying that someone's written a fiction book and in the fiction book they talk about the unfitness of President Trump due, due to his tenuous emotional state. Nothing but garbage. But, I mean, by all means, let's let's go ahead and cast aspersions on him as well. Um, so we'll be talking to Chris Houck about that. And I wanted to point out, and I just saw this. I want to get this for you. Um, so apparently, and this is a really interesting connection, the woman who is bringing the horrible allegations against Judge Kavanaugh so this is her, let me get, let me get this exactly right. Kavanaugh's mother, who is a judge herself, was the presiding judge over Ralph Blasey's foreclosure. Ralph is Christine Blasey's father. So Christine Blasey is making the accusation against Judge Kavanaugh. Her father, 
was being foreclosed on and went to court. And the judge who presided over the foreclosure was Judge Kavanaugh's mother. And it's unclear how it was adjudicated. Ah, here it is. So Blazy's dad filed for bankruptcy and Judge Kavanaugh's mom was the judge who oversaw the bankruptcy, which included foreclosure proceedings on the home, the primary residence. So you think she's got a little bit of a bone to pick with the Kavanaugh family? Perhaps. All of this should be uh, coming out in the Senate Judiciary hearing should she decide to show her face. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that's reason why, I agree, I think that that's the reason why you see Feinstein trying to keep it under wraps for as long as possible because she doesn't want the Judiciary Committee or the FBI looking into Blasey Ford. No way. Because if you look into Christine Blasey Ford's history, well, first of all, they've scrubbed her social media, which means it was full of nothing but uh, mean talk about the president and Judge Kavanaugh and, um, you know, positive things about the Democrats because she's a Democrat. She's an open, open political partisan. So if you add all those things together, and this is what we found just in the first couple of days, imagine what else we're going to find. Just imagine if wishes were... What is it? If wishes were rainbows and rainbows were unicorns? Well, we're going to get some details. We're going to get some. So let's pivot over to Ocasio-Cortez, who is back doing their media rounds in her $3,500 outfits. Nice for a socialist, don't you think? And she's now back on the stump talking about how we need Medicare for all and universal income, um, a ton of different things that might not make any sense to you or I because we actually realize that taxpayers have to fund it. But Ocasio-Cortez, it doesn't matter to her because the money will come from somewhere. Maybe there's like a money tree that it could come from. Rich people are the money tree. So maybe just keep, keep picking the money off and like blackberries the next season, more blackberries will appear. I don't know how she thinks she's going to fund it. And neither does she. Apparently, it's number five. Your platform has called for various new programs, including Medicare for all, housing as a federal right, a federal jobs guarantee, tuition-free public college, canceling all student loan debt. Um, According to nonpartisan and left-leaning studies friendly to your cause, including the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities or the Tax Policy Center, the overall price tag is more than $40 trillion in the next decade. You recently said in an interview that increasing taxes on the very wealthy plus an increased corporate tax rate would make $2 $2 trillion over the next 10 years. So where's the other $38 trillion going to come from? Well, one of the things that we need to realize when we look at something like Medicare for All, Medicare for All would save the American people a very large amount of money. And what we see as well is that these systems are not just uh, pie in the sky. They are, many of them are accomplished by every modern civilized democracy in the Western world. The United, uh, the United Kingdom has a form of single-payer health care. Can Canada, France, Germany. What we need to realize is that these investments are better and they are good for our future. These are generational investments so that not just they're not short term band-aids, but they are really profound decisions about who we want to be as a nation and as and how we want to act as the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. How about There are other countries where they have these things. So why doesn't Ocasio-Cortez go to one of those countries? It it never ceases to amaze me how people can immigrate to America. Her parents came here because apparently it was way better than where they came from. 
And no sooner than they've been here for 10 minutes, they raise up a daughter who wants to turn this country into the country they left. Honestly, she gets here and she's, uh, you know, let me correct the record for the photo shoot with her in the the $3,500 outfit. Apparently, she didn't get to keep the clothes. They were for the photo shoot. But why would a a avowed democratic socialist who believes that the government should control the means of production and every other thing that we get from life should come from the government? Why wouldn't she just wear something that government employees would wear? And I don't mean the ones who live in the D.C. metro area. I mean, regular run of the mill government employees who make less than the median of 55,000, 56,000 a year for a family of four. Why wouldn't she have shown up in something that looked much more like the people she claims that she wants to represent? The salt of the earth, hardworking people who need unions and more government intervention in order for their lives to really rock. So here he's asked her, you heard him. Jake Tapper asked her, how do you pay for it? How do you pay for the 42 trillion that the left-leaning outlets say will be required to fund all of your proposals? She just gave a bunch of word salad there. No, no answers, just word salad and not even good salad, not spinach salad, not arugula. She gave the lettuce of all lettuces, which is just plain old iceberg lettuce, which is 98% water and has very little nutritional value. She gave a word salad of iceberg lettuce and then tried to move on, but he didn't let her. He actually asked her again. It's number six. What these represent are lower costs overall for these programs. And additionally, what this is, is a broader agenda. We do know and we acknowledge that there are political realities. They don't always happen with just the wave of a wand, but we can work to make these things happen. And in fact, when, we, when you look at the economic activity that it spurs, for example, uh, if you look at my generation, millennials, mm-hmm. the amount of, of economic activity that we do not engage in, the fact that we delay purchasing homes, that we don't participate in the economy and purchasing cars, et cetera, as fully as possible is a cost. It is a, a an externality, if you will, of, of a unprecedented, mm-hmm. unprecedented amounts so, of student loan debt. I'm assuming I'm not going to get an answer for the other $38 trillion, but we'll have you back and, and maybe we can go over that. Yeah, he kind of laughed like as she's stumbling over the juicier bits, maybe the candied walnuts in the word salad were kind of gumming it up for her. And we've all been there. Believe me, it's, it's easy to get kind of mixed around when you're talking. She says these are the externalities. Do you think it's by accident that the first generation in America to be less church than their parents that 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 are largely unchurched, the first largely unchurched group of Americans are also experiencing success at later and later points in their lives. After what we shared uh, from Joshua chapter one and how God says you keep the, keep the word in front of you, meditate on it day and night and you'll be successful. And if you don't, you won't. Um, Is it any shock that she would actually be talking about this group that doesn't go to church, that doesn't read their word, that doesn't know God. They're also still living in their parents' basements. They have a whole lot of student loan debt. They made unwise choices in college. Now they're having trouble with getting on their feet and launching out into the world. Not, not, these things are not unconnected. They're, they're not, they don't happen by themselves. I mean, it couldn't be simpler to see where God has kind of said, look, he hasn't kind of said, he said, look, you, you get, you do what I've asked you to do. You follow what my word prescribes for you and you are going to prosper. And we see this outrageous prosperity for 
the most church generations, you see the baby boomers are retiring in style. They're, I mean, just money on top of money on top of money, successes on top of successes. And you see their grandchildren really just running amok, unwise, unable to make, the, like, for instance, all of these um, women's studies majors, $200,000 in student loans for w- women's studies. So they've got student loan payments that are as much as a first condo payment, or they've got a car payment and then they have two more payments that are their student loans that are, you know, twice the amount of the car payment. No wonder you can't buy a house. They're not, not buying a home because their Obamacare is too expensive. Cause notice Ocasio-Cortez talks about how horrible the plans are, but she doesn't call them Obamacare. That's what they are. These people are railing against plans that were created for them by their Messiah, Barack Obama. Notice I said their Messiah. That's lowercase m. They're not happy with what they were promised. $2,500 cheaper for a family of four. 100,000 Pinocchios for that lie. Not cheaper. Not better coverage. Astronomical deductible. And they can't afford to put any money in the HSA because they got those big student loan payments for their women's studies degrees. But check in with the millennials who went to school for science, technology, engineering, and math. Check in with those guys. You know what they are getting told? Um, how quickly can you get here to sign the, this employment contract? That's what. They're not having trouble finding a, a, their first place, buying their first condo. They're not having trouble making their student loan payments. Which coincidentally, those students don't take out as much in student loans, even though they're in those high-driving, hard-driving career fields that could possibly justify it. You know you're going to come out and you're going to start, your starting salary is going to be 70000 a year. You know you can afford a little bit of a student loan payment, yet these students are going to state schools and getting their education at places that d- very minimal loans are required. They're working over the summer and interning and earning $30 an hour. They're doing uh, co-ops where they work and they earn and they're doing six months of co-op, which means you do a good job on your six-month co-op, you're getting a job offer from that company before your graduation date. So you're literally working and doing, finishing up your last couple of classes. You walk across the, the, the stage and get your diploma, your bachelor's in engineering, step right off the stage, and you're already employed. If you're not going to study the word, if you're not going to go to church, and you're going to be unwise, you can't blame that on somebody not wanting socialism. It's your own fault. Sorry, not sorry. I'm actually not sorry, okay? All right, we'll be back with Chris Howe, Media Research Center, right after this. Good news. You are not stuck with your health care plan. Really, you have a choice, and it's a great one. It's called MediShare, and if you've heard about it and wondered what exactly it is, it's a way that people share their health care bills, and these are people who have a common faith, who want to be part of something beautiful that not only meets their health care needs, but the needs of others too. And it's people who love to save money big time. MediShare members typically save $500 a month per family on their health care costs. That is a life changer for people. So this could be for you. Maybe it's what you've been looking for, a way to pay health care bills that's not only very smart financially, but it's even profound. MediShare is a nonprofit with 400,000 members nationwide who pray for and share with each other. So yes, you're not stuck. There's another way, and it could save you a lot. 
Hit star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your health care. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Later this week, the members of the Senate Judiciary Committee vote on the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. We may be treated to more of the antics that took place during the confirmation hearings. If so, that will provide yet one more reason why the Senate leadership should get rid of the confirmation hearings. Even when there aren't all the theatrics, the confirmation hearings aren't very helpful. This time you had Democrats ask Judge Kavanaugh essentially the same questions over and over about abortion and guns. He wasn't going to give conclusive answers no matter how many times you repeated the question. All of that goes back to what some have called the Ginsburg Rule established by Senator Joseph Biden back when Ruth Bader Ginsburg appeared before the committee. Republicans and Democrats can debate whether the so-called rule should apply, but we all know that the nominee isn't going to answer specific questions. And it's worth noting that most of the senators asking questions already made up their minds, even though that didn't stop many of them from complaining that they only had a half a million documents. Another obvious reason for ending these hearings is the fact that they have been the occasion for lots of political grandstanding. Senators Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Richard Blumenthal provided numerous examples of political posturing and media manipulation. But it was more than just the interruptions and motions to adjourn. Once the hearings got underway, we had to listen to speeches by each and every member of the committee. Very few were even worth remembering. Most were forgettable and irritating. Finally, we need to acknowledge that the confirmation hearings have become a circus, with apologies to people who work in a circus. On the first day of the hearing, 70 were arrested. It didn't get much better the rest of the week. And outside, you had people dressed in costumes yelling and screaming. I'm ready to eliminate these Senate hearings, and I suspect many Americans agree with me. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's true story, now playing rated PG-13. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. I, I'm, I'm, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show frequent guest, Curtis Hauk, Media Research Center, Newsbusters, all the, all the best sites. Curtis, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh-oh. Looks like we may have lost him. We will try to get him back. While we're doing that, Updates, updates, fast breaking news. Uh, we have Kavanaugh's mother ruling against the accuser's parents. So it looks like it's not just, um, you know, word on the street. It's a fact. Brett Kavanaugh's mother, Judge Martha Kavanaugh, ruled against the parents of Christine Blasey Ford, the woman who accuses Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault. Court documents show the losing party in a foreclosure case Martha Kavanaugh heard to be Ralph and Paula Blasey of Potomac, Maryland. They appear to be Christine Blasey Ford's parents. The fact that Kavanaugh's mother ruled against Ford's parents doesn't prove Ford is lying about the conduct of the son. Her allegation coming so many years after the fact and without a description of when or where the event supposedly occurred is probably not susceptible to being ruled out conclusively. But there now seems to be a motive beyond partisan politics for Ford to make up or significantly embellish her story so long after the fact. I only point that out to say that this is... This is the way of Democrat hard party politics. It's, hey, they took out Roy Moore. Hey, they took out Herman Cain. 
Now they're, they're attempting to take out Judge Kavanaugh. After the hearing is completed, now all of a sudden they have allegations that they need to go over. It should be really disallowed. It should be, it should be a Senate rule that if you don't bring it out before the hearing so that the, the nominee has a chance to reply in the public, that it just doesn't happen. You just, you just can add it in as backgrounder to be considered for the vote, but it can't be ever brought in front of the judiciary panel. That would, that would take care of this real quick. All right, so uh, let's welcome our next guest to the program. It's Curtis Houck, Media Research Center. Thank you so much for joining the show today. No problem. Great to be with you again, Stacey. Yes. So let's talk about this. You've, you've done a new study over at Media Research Center. TV news reporters have saturated the airwaves with subjective language about the president's emotional state, and most of it casts him as an out-of-control hothead. Hmm. Right. It's pretty unbelievable. So the basics, we looked at uh, the morning, at the evening newscast of ABC, CBS, and NBC, because that's a really good barometer of where the media are at. Um, and so many you know, in so much time, uh, January 1st to September 10th this year. Uh, and we looked at out of control viewers, uh, from our, from my colleague's study, viewers heard Trump variously described as furious 17 times, feeling 14 times, outraged eight, venting five, infuriated five, livid, enraged, seething, or just plain old angry were a few examples. Um, and when Trump was speaking about something, he 53 times, they said he la- was lashing out at someone or something, or, you know, or it was a tirade, or he was blasting, or he was erupting. Um, and they also talked about him being on a warpath and being volcanic and unglued. Um, and we found that it was most prevalent over at NBC, or, uh, uh, ABC's World News Tonight. Uh, out of the 185 descriptors we found, uh, him being angry, 106 came from ABC. Well, NBC had 53 and CBS only 26. Um, it, it's just pretty unbelievable that this guy, you know, very, it's, a, it's a stressful job. The job of being president, you know, you're not going to always get what you want. So describe that, or when the president is upset about something, uh, they try to make him seem mentally unstable because this is what the media wants to do. This is why. The, the New York Times, the anonymous New York Times office talking about the 25th Amendment was so popular. But does it really hold water? So how many, I'm, I'm just right. going to speak from my own experience, again, anecdotal. Curtis, how many people have you known in your career? I know I, in, I, in my work habits, and especially as a volunteer, I've known plenty of people who were extraordinarily effective. But when they were angry, oh part the waters get back get behind the shields it was like laser you know they would just anybody in their path would get burned down and once people learned how they operated they would tighten up their actions so that they wouldn't be the ones causing the upsets i don't agree with it it's not my my cup of tea i don't think that makes for a good working environment but i have known some very successful people like that and they're still running around working today, and they still have p- plenty of people working under them, and they're still making money hand over fist. So why is it that it's just such a huge problem if it's Donald Trump? I've heard stories about President Obama having a bit of a temper as well. He used to have to go outside and chain smoke to kind of calm himself down. Nobody seemed to care. It's, I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm not someone who operates that way, but I know people that do as well in my career, and you're exactly right. A lot of them are very quite well, but again, I think this is about painting Trump as unstable as possible, mentally unstable. 
Um, it's really about, you know, again, this double standard, as you mentioned with Barack Obama. You know, uh, yeah, I think it was an ABC and Compton, I think, said a few years ago that, you know, Obama would go on these, you know, profanity-laced tirades, you know, uh, at people, mm-hmm. you know, and occasionally at the press, you know, uh, in private. Um, and the interest level of that was not really anywhere to be seen. People really didn't seem to care about that because, you know, or if there were, you know, it would be Republicans are genuinely standing in the way of, you know, whatever Obama wanted to do. So therefore, it's justified. Like, who wouldn't be angry about this? So again, it's this double standard where this Donald Trump said about something not going his way. It's, um, you know, just a sign of his mental instability and his, un, you know, how unfit he is to be president. Hmm. I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, but he, one of the things that is most interesting about that, that what you're reporting about Obama was that I would see online on Twitter, especially on black Twitter, people would be saying, well, of course he went on a profanity lace tirade. He's a savage, you know, he's a mic dropper. If he, if anyone heard he said something that had profanity in it, they would actually make it cool. They would turn it around and say, instead of this being a sign of him being not a good leader or not, you know, he, they would say, oh, he's the, the reason he's like that is because he doesn't put up with any garbage. He's a straight shooter. Yeah, he talks well, like me. He's like, any, oh, yeah. They, yeah. They yeah. That. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and there's nothing. I Look, you people feel should feel however they want. I don't operate like that because if you've ever had anybody like launch off into you um, when they're angry about something, especially if the something is not completely under your control, then you're either of one of two minds. There's really only two ways you can go. It's either when I'm in charge, I'm going to be like that too, or it's, wow, I'm never going there because that, that's this is the most unfair treatment. I personally don't think it's beneficial, and it doesn't help you, the morale of people who work for you to be someone who goes on profanity-laced tirades or is so volatile that people are afraid of you. But by the same token, is it just me, or is it just a constant barrage of, it's like even when he's doing something nice, even when he and Melania Trump are walking and holding hands, he's still, look at the way he's holding her hand. She's so oh oppressed. Gosh, and I'm like, right? she looks pretty happy to me. Psychoanalyzing, yeah. wondering if he's holding the hand of a body double or something like that. Exactly. So we also looked at the positive adjectives, uh, as you were kind of getting at here. We only found 23 instances where they said he was happy of them or of similar terms. Confident six times and calm once. So <laughs> once. So yeah, the 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 two opposites here: angry 185 times variations of that, and happy or variations 23 times. I mean, the, the the numbers don't lie when it comes to something like that about what they want this president to mean, what they want what they want him to uh, be portrayed going forward, and leaving markers down for how history will remember him as the angriest president ever, you know, um, kind of like Richardson, very unstable and just flashing out. It, he's just bothering to himself or to other people. And whereas Barack Obama was, you know, he was justified or he was talking like us because he was no drama Obama and he was just tired of people's drama or something like that. Yeah, I I don't think it's it's fair, but it is a double standard that's worth exploring. And I think one one... One important aspect of the reporting that you're doing is that you actually have the statistics that you quoted just now, and anyone can go to Media Research Center's websites, mrctv.org, 
um, you can go there and you can find this information. And then it's not so much that you're going to run around touting these numbers or print them off and keep them in your pocket. But if someone is saying, well, I think the media coverage of Trump is fair, you can say, oh, is it fair that they say he's happy once or he's calm once? And then they say he's angry and unhinged 128 times for every one time they say he's nice or in a good mood. Does that sound fair to you? You know, does that sound like that's even possible? That It is actually impossible for a person who's at the age of Donald Trump to be unhinged and unhappy at a ratio of 128 times unhinged for every one time that he's calm. He would have already had a heart attack by now. It's just like not possible. Yeah. <laughs> No, for real. It's absolutely, it's like, given his age, you know, it's just, it's just wouldn't have worked out like that. But that's what we try to do. We try to give people the numbers. You know, they, they have a feeling that, you know, that something may be right they're not sure about. We have research on how much time is spent on these things, you know, every single Trump controversy as well. So we need to show people that, yeah, you're exactly right. What you're seeing here is not a joke. Um, and, and this is just the latest example of that. And, you know, you, we, we set out to do these studies. We're not really sure what we're going to find. And we don't, the facts go where they go um, when we go through the transcripts and watch the videos. Um, and this is what we've come up with. And once again, it's uh, not surprising, but it, but having those numbers there in your mind to have this ratio is important. It is. And I want to say thanks so much for the work that you do over at MRC TV. And we're, we're just going to have to, Really just we have to keep track of it. You guys keep track of it. We have to kind of say, okay, this is the current state of things. This is how many times they say he's, quote, unhinged. And then that can kind of temper what we're reading. Because if you read something over and over again, they know the maxim. You see it 30 times, you're going to believe it. If you hear it 30 times, you're going to believe it. It takes that much market saturation, and that's why they say the same things over and over and over again in every newscast. And also they print the same things over and over again because they need to make sure that you've seen it multiple times. So it can impact what you believe. Curtis Hauk, Media Research Center, thank you so much for joining the show today. No problem. Anytime. All right. Talk to you again soon. Um, I actually, I'm not sure what's going on with our audio today, but I will say um, that we've had some great interviews. It's just been a little bit of some interesting sound. So I'm sure that will be taken care of um, in time for tomorrow's show. But for right now... I'm really interested in continuing to go over um, this information. So I want to make it clear that when I say, when I report to you this breaking news that Kavanaugh's mother ruled against Christine Ford's parents in a bankruptcy suit um, for their, you know, they lost their house and all that stuff. It doesn't mean that what she's saying couldn't be true, right? Just because your parents had an, an interaction with the parents of the person you're accusing doesn't mean, but it does go a long way to mitigating her testimony. It goes to intent. It goes to why does she have a bone to pick with this man? Mm, he appeared in the hearing with his mother. You don't think her mom, that, that you don't think when they were talking, she's a hardcore, hard-driving Democratic activist. You don't think she and her mom weren't on the phone or texting back and forth during the hearings, and she gets a look at that mom and says, wait a minute, this is Kavanaugh. Mom, what about your bankruptcy? Didn't your, wasn't the judge who ruled against you and took your house from you, wasn't that a Kavanaugh too? It would not have taken but that much for the mom to pull out her file from the bankruptcy, take a look at the, the complaint and see, oh my goodness, Judge Kavanaugh. And then off you go to the races. Now she's got a bone to pick. 
if you think about it, that kind of explains why before she wasn't willing to come forward. She wasn't willing to be in the public eye. Then after she realizes this man is about to be confirmed to the Supreme Court and his mother took her family through this bankruptcy proceeding and didn't rule in their favor and they felt it was unfair, they lost their home. They, they Think about it. They lost their home. Now all of a sudden she's willing to come forward. Now she's willing to be seen in public. Now she's willing to go to bat. But not for herself, for her parents. Taking this guy down would be payback to Judge Kavanaugh's mom, the other Judge Kavanaugh, it would pay her back for ruling against them in their bankruptcy proceeding. So obviously the speculation will be rampant. I see now that they're saying that they're going to possibly do a standing procedure on this. Standing procedure would mean any additional information that comes to their attention after the hearing has completed, they wouldn't do that interview in another hearing. They wouldn't reopen the hearings. They would instead take that information and they would make a phone call to Judge Kavanaugh and question him. They would make a phone call to Christine Ford, question her. And if they had any follow-ups for Kavanaugh, they would call him back again. And that would be the standing procedure. That would be taken care of in short order. And they would move forward with the vote on Thursday. And as speculated, it would go on a party line vote with the 11 Republicans voting against the 10 Democrats. Interesting, is it not? But this is where we are. So um, now, oh, and, and I also wanted to, um, I also wanted to, so you, you still got the whole thing with Kellyanne Conway's husband. He's still sending out these outrageous tweets against President Trump. And, What's interesting about it is that um, he doesn't seem to care that his wife is employed by this man and that the tweets could result in her, you know, think about it. If they were too embarrassing, she could get fired. He, his latest one is that he's ripped President Trump, George Conway, the husband of Kellyanne, has ripped President Trump about tweeting about Obama's 57 states gaffe. George Conway took aim at the president on Twitter on Friday over Trump criticizing President Obama. In a tweet, George Conway, a conservative lawyer, criticized Trump for mocking Obama for a 2008 gaffe. When President Obama said that he'd been to 57 states, very little mentioned by the fake news media. Can you imagine if I'd said that story of the year? Conway responded, saying there's a huge difference between Obama's mistake and Trump's witless prevarication on virtually all topics, large and small. Does he even love his wife? That's the question. Wow. All right, we'll be back with more after this. Stay tuned. Netflix continues to ignore the outcry about 13 Reasons Why. The American Family Association, along with Parents Television Council and several other pro-family groups have reached out to the streaming service, urging the cancellation of their program. Netflix has not even responded to our letter. Instead, they released an even more vile Season 2 and are producing Season 3. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings says their program is engaging and that it fosters discussion of taboo topics like suicide and sexual assault. But at what cost? 14-year-old Anna Bright and several other teens have committed suicide after watching the show. Hastings calls our objections propaganda. 
Does he feel the profitability of his company is worth more than the lives damaged or lost because of his show? Please sign our petition to Netflix, learn more, and share our action alert when you visit afa.net. And pray Reed Hastings will recognize the dangers of 13 Reasons Why. Please call your senators today. It's time to put an end to the liberals' filibuster. Tell your senators to switch to a majority vote and defund Planned Parenthood now. Call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121 or go to afaaction.net. Again, call 202-224-3121 and tell your senators to switch to a majority vote and defund Planned Parenthood. Your call will make a difference. Romans 13, 14 says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. So what are you clothing yourself with? Whether we realize it or not, what we allow in our temples affects our way of living. We can't feed ourselves junk and expect to hear from the Lord. Clothe yourself with the righteousness of God at urbanfamilytalk.com. Securing America. Adversaries of the United States are trying to upend the post-Cold War order in cyberspace, stealing intellectual property, leveraging, personally identifying information, and attempting to disrupt our elections. That from National Security Agency Director and Commander of U.S. Cyber Command, General Paul Nakasone. Today, cyberspace offers state and non-state actors the ability to wage campaigns against American political, economic, and security interests without ever physically crossing our borders. General Nakasone told the Billington Cybersecurity Summit. Dominance in cyberspace is not always possible due to the dynamic domain and the low barriers to entry. Advantage goes to the side that certainly innovates fastest. Nakasone said Cyber Command must work with partners in the intelligence community and the private sector to continuously adapt to cyber threats and develop tools to combat them. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's also questionable in terms of the way it was handled. So I think it's going to come up to the folks that you saw in the, in the preview there. Folks like Senator Flake, Senator Corker, Senator Mikowski, Senator Collins. What do they consider to be a fair and thorough review? Um, she's certainly going to have to be interviewed, uh, whether that's just by staff or maybe some select members of the Senate and or the FBI. That's probably going to be, have to happen at a minimum. Yeah, because you're, you're a former prosecutor. This clearly couldn't be a criminal case right now. The statute of limitations is long past, but the FBI is equipped to do a background investigation. Sure, and they have done a background investigation. You presume that in the background investigation, this did not come up. And so that also tells you something, um, maybe about the thoroughness of the FBI investigation or maybe about um, the, the credibility of these allegations. We don't know. Um, but I think the other thing that we would talk about, and obviously the professor here needs to be heard, um, needs to have her allegations um, looked at. But also, this is extraordinarily unfair to Judge Kavanaugh. Um, this is an allegation that's 35 plus years old. Um, and now you're going to attempt to to try to deal with that in a very truncated period of time. Um, this is why people are reluctant to get in front of those committees, George, and sit down for uh, Senate confirmation. Because this kind of bloodletting, you know, Ms. Katz talked about a bloodletting. The bloodletting is on both sides, unfortunately, in situations like this. Wow, so that was uh, former Governor Chris Christie. 
uh, commenting on this whole ridiculous process. Uh, let's go to the phones. If you want to call in, welcome. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Let's go to Arnold in Nebraska. Arnold, thanks for calling in to Stacy on the right. Hey, Stacey, a long time since I called in the last time, but what an outstanding program once again. You're just knocking it off the charts. I just want to commend you for that. Thank you. You bring a, a, a show of reason, sound judgment, common sense, and integrity, and I really appreciate that. And God's going to continue to give you favor and cause you to grow. I, I tell you, it's, um, Thank you. it's amazing how, oh, you're most welcome, and that's it. I could be on for hours talking about the outrage, but you're, you're just hanging out this half the park. Um, it's amazing how at the 11th hour, 59 minutes part, the Democrats suddenly come up with this, oh, we found a letter from a person 35 years ago. It's all suspect. And yes, the FBI needs to investigate. that needs to be investigated. It needs to be investigated on those who are bringing these charges forward. The Democrats, Feinstein, a woman, I mean, all that needs to be looked into because something smells to high heaven. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just all suspect to me. And, and common sense people look at that, and I believe they're thinking the same thing. Hey, wait a minute. All this investigation that was done beforehand by the FBI, the background checks, all that stuff, nothing came up. And all of a sudden, Ms. Feinstein, oh, I had this letter since July. Okay, why didn't you share it back then in July? If it's so critical, so grievous, why wasn't it shared back then? I think it's, I think it's a well, thing. It really does. Fantastic analysis. And I'll tell you what, Arnold, I, I, I want to just, if you're thinking this and I'm thinking this, our natural reaction is the one that you can consider a lot of people, people who aren't partisans are going to say, wait a minute. I mean, sure, let's investigate this. But, but wait, oh, you knew about it since the midsummer? since well before the hearings oh wait you you had a chance to share this with the republicans so everybody could have it oh wait the mom uh, of justice kavanaugh or the mom of judge kavanaugh is also a judge and she ruled against the mom of christine blazy ford in uh, a, a bankruptcy proceeding i mean <laughs> the further into it you get you're like oh so this is just another sham and this is what you and i just Neither of us, I'm assuming you're not an attorney. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not an attorney. So it's not like we're taking a whole lot of judicial analysis and appliances. It's just the gut reaction is if he was guilty of this, why didn't she come forward when he was going up for, you know, uh, circuit judge? I mean, that's an important job. D.C. Circuit, that's a huge job. Why not bring it up then? Why not prevent him from adjudicating cases that had to do with rape, incest. He's, he's covered, his opinions run the gamut. No subject matter is untouched by uh, Judge Kavanaugh. I just, it doesn't pass the smell test with me. In fact, I agree with you. Some of these people who are bringing this forward and wasting taxpayer dollars and time, they should themselves be made to come before the court and, and um, make a comment. I, I, I think they should ask Dianne Feinstein questions under oath, get to the bottom of this. Um, so, I also want to encourage people, we have to pray about not only this situation, but this opposition we're seeing to the, the possibility. It's not even a done deal. There's a possibility that we'll have a case come before the court and Judge Kavanaugh would be the deciding vote to limit abortion. Um, we have got to pray for, for this nominee. 
and for the process and for the leadership in the Senate who are on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways, and he will guide you on the right paths. Isaiah 48, 17 says, This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. So when we pray, we have to pray that God would um, help those who are on the Judiciary Committee on both sides of the political aisle to trust in God with their whole heart, that they would not live off of emotions or worldly wisdom, but would cling to God, that they would be focused on Christ and that God would guide them in the way in which they should live and the way that they should comport their duties in the Senate. And we would also pray that Justice Kavanaugh would be strong in his faith and that God would continue to teach him what is good and true and that he would, God would direct the life path of Judge Kavanaugh and his wife and children and grant them wisdom. We place Judge Kavanaugh and his wife and children in God's hands and expect God to do great and wonderful things and to answer our prayers and that we would give God the glory when he does so. Um, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have to say, when we are feeling anxious about things and we do that, if we just take some time and commit ourselves to pray for the situation or for the individual uh, or, or for ourselves specifically, that God will move, he will answer our prayers, and that he'll give us peace over the situation. So please do remember to do that. And that way we don't have to be getting extra gray hairs and, you know, getting ulcers and getting all, uh, you know, all the kind of negative side effects of being overly stressed. We have a God that we serve that transcends time. God is not limited by time. He is not limited by space. That's why the Bible says he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is at the beginning of our lives. He is waiting for us at the end of our lives. He is here in this present moment. And he is able to do all of those things because he is the creator and he is outside of his creation. He is larger and greater and bigger than all of the things that we are currently experiencing. And he is able to do far over and above abundantly more than we are able to ask or think. And he works according to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to be constantly comforted by that and constantly relying on that. In this situation and in all others, whatever situation you might be facing. So if you're feeling that pressure, I, I certainly, in, in our family, we have, it's, it's always, if you have any children, if you're married to, you know, a person, a human being, an actual person, not a mannequin or something like that, or imaginary friend, then there are going to be things that you're facing and you're walking through and relying on God. It's, it's like one foot in front of the other. You can't see any further than the current step that you're on, but relying on God, that's going to get us where we need to go. And our pastor was telling us on Sunday to just make that appointment, make that scripture reading in the morning and prayer, make it your first thing that you're going to do. And you're not, we're going to talk about an hour worth of prayer and fasting and no, maybe, and if you're at that level, you know, man, that's awesome. But if you're not, if you're just getting started, just make that appointment, get that scripture, a proverb, a Psalm, what, you know, you're working your way through the Bible, whatever, get that in, get your prayer in. And then remember to check in as the day progresses through. So we're not anxious for anything. In all things, you know, get, 
Christ is our source. He's our savior. He's, he's working these things out for our good. He's just, he's moving and grooving and we're just down here doing what we do, you know, just, just working as unto the Lord, trusting him, praying. And, and that's all we can do. Honestly, that's all we can do. Um, oh, listener stories, please call in and leave us a message on our listener stories line for urban family talk is 877-327-5647. If you we're unable to do it last week. Now's your chance. You can call in and leave this voicemail. Um, your name, your first name. You just leave your first name, the state you're calling from, and then tell us a brief story about how Urban Family Talk has impacted your life. And we'll be so excited about it. Honestly, we will. We're going to love it. And we're going to love you for leaving the message. And then you'll get to hear yourself on the radio the week before and the week of share So we're so excited about you guys doing that. So, oh, here's the number one more time. 877 327 five, six, four, seven. Make me look good for my boss. Do it. Call in. Tell him how you like the show. Even if maybe you're listening and you don't like the show, but you still listen. You can say that. I don't really like Stacy's show, but I like listening to it. That would satisfy my need for someone to call in and for my boss to know that I shared this with you on the air. <laughs> See? <laughs> Easy to please. All right. We have a little more time left in the show if you want to call in 866-963-2037. Um, so there's a bunch of other interesting news trending today on Twitter. And I love to check in here. It's so funny what the moments are on Twitter. Sometimes I'll come on here and spend about 15 minutes just looking around and reading the articles. iOS 12 review. Free update revives old phones and makes Siri useful. Apple's best phone upgrade this year doesn't cost a dime. It put iOS 12 on your old phone and it will feel like new. And this is according to tech. He's a tech columnist. His name's David Pierce. And he's written uh, this piece. He says this latest version um, brings plenty of new features, but its primary purpose is to just work. Recently, iOS has just not worked. And I have to say, I, I updated my phone. I took the longest possible time. I finally updated, and now my phone is ghosting. Like, it is, my phone is so weird now, it's almost impossible to, um, like, as I move through the process with after the update was installed, I mean, it just is behaving so weirdly. It's like there's another person inside the phone making the phone do stuff. Sometimes it'll just be jumping around doing stuff. Um and so I'll have to power it down. So if iOS 12 is really this good, and I certainly hope it is, maybe it will take out the gremlins from my phone from the last update. And it might not. I might just have to, you know, turn it in. But anyway, it's it's definitely not behaving the way that a phone should. Um, so check that out. I always wait until other people have gotten the update before I go full, you know, on and get it for myself. Um, so a, here's some polling information, poll report, <laughs> record low 12% cite economic issues as a top U S problem. This is great news. Um, prior low mentioning economic issues was 13% and that was way back in May of 1999. Dissatisfaction with government at 29% tops the problem list for survey respondents. 37% are satisfied with the way things are going, which that number is little changed. A record low of 12% of Americans currently cite some aspect of the economy as the most important problem facing the U.S., down from 17% last month and one percentage point below the previous low of 13%. Now, 
This latest update is from interviews conducted September 4th through 12th by Gallup Polling. Gallup has been asking the classic most important problem question since 1939, but did not begin giving a net score for all references to economic issues, including the economy in general, unemployment and inflation, until the year 1991. Now, this is interesting. A near record high of 64% say that now is a good time to find a good quality job. Workers remain upbeat about their job security and employee engagement is at record highs. As the economy has been receding in Americans' minds as a top problem facing the nation, people are paying more attention to the way the country's being governed. This month, 29% of Americans cite concerns about the government, approaching the all-time high of 33% in October of 2013 when the U.S. government shut down after Congress failed to agree on a spending bill. What are the issues rounding out this concern about governance? Well, immigration, race issues, and the need to unify the country, and health care. Fascinating. Really fascinating. Um, poverty and hunger and homelessness was at 4%. Lack of respect for each other, 4%. Health care, 5%. Need to unify the country, 7%. Race relations and racism, 9%. Immigration, illegal immigrants, 12%. Dissatisfaction with government, poor leadership, 29%. Satisfaction with the way things are going remains stable at 37%. Ah, it's pretty interesting. I I think the polls are interesting. I always like to kind of go into the crosstabs and find out what the questions were. Gallup has been pretty consistent and not skewing the questions to one direction or the other. So, uh, good news. All right, that's the show for today. I'll be back with you tomorrow with more Stacey on the right. God bless. Have a fantastic night. Don't forget to pray about these issues that are facing us right now. Uh, thanking you for your ears and broadcasting from the heartland. Good night.